Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Thank you, Ralph. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, I always, you know, in the back of my mind, the first Sunday back after Christmas is the biggest church fashion day of the year. I've seen some new trainers, some new coats, some new shirts. Looking good, Vine Life. I like it. Well done, everyone. Um, but we have just had New Year. Anyone make any resolutions? Not to make any? Damien? Read the Bible. like that one. You don't have to say that just because you're in church, but I like that one. Anyone else? Um, I, I haven't made any New Year's resolutions. Um, for me, and probably for a lot of us, turning the page into a new year isn't so much a chance to try and, like, radically change my life in a bunch of arbitrary ways but it is a chance to reset to refocus to reprioritize after the kind of the haze of fruitcake and mince pies and a whole bunch of other things that are really great over the last I was going to say like two weeks but let's be honest it's been a bit more than that but after all of that to reset, reprioritize, and re-engage with the things that are really important to us, with who we know we're meant to be. And so um, this is one of the things we're going to do as a church family at the start of this. This isn't new, like churches all over the world, over many, many years, have been doing um, at the start of a new year, weeks of prayer and fasting. In fact, if you're lucky enough to go to some churches, it's maybe like 10 days or two weeks, or a whole month of prayer and fasting. But we're just going to do a week. Because, like, you know, this is something we are learning to do together. It's a new rhythm for us as a church family. It's a muscle we need to build. Um, so we are going to be jumping into prayer and fasting this week. So if you're part of this church family, if this is the church family that you call home, then come along this journey with us this week. Um, you know, we're not just plucking this New Year's resolution out of the air. We're leaning into some stuff that we believe is important for us as a church family. Um, and we had a, a number of people kind of prompt us. Um, Phil was really, Phil Gorman was really helpful a few weeks ago. He was like, guys, when are, what, when are we doing prayer and fasting in the new year? And we're like, oh, right, let's, let's crack on with this. And then um, just feel like the Lord's been speaking to us a little bit as a core leadership team, just laying some scripture on our heart. Um, so we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 4, in just a minute, you can flick there. Um, and just, this seems like a good fit for us. The stuff that Jesus is talking about in Luke 4 is stuff that we are passionate about as a church family. It's the stuff that really we get the most excited about, I think. And it's what we've always been about. But we just need the chance to reset, to regroup, and go again, and reprioritize and say, God, this year, would it be the year that you do it? So um, we're going to jump into Luke chapter 4. Um, we're just going to kind of have this open. in front. If you can have it open in front of you, we're going to, I don't know, like, you know when you go for a drive, you drive a little bit, you get out, look around, jump back in the car, drive along a little bit more. It's going to be one of those kind of journeys through this passage today. So Luke chapter 4, um, starting at verse 16. Um, if you've got one of these old-fashioned paper Bibles um, and you've got a glorious kind of red ribbon bookmark in it as well. You might want to put that in Isaiah 61 because we're going to be jumping back and forth a tiny little bit or at least it'll be helpful for you to look at Isaiah 61 as well. Um, 
And I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, which I really enjoy. Um, So your version might read a little bit different to mine. Um, But we're going to start at verse 16 in chapter 4 of Luke. Um, So just for context, first couple of chapters of Luke, it's all about Christmas. We've done that. We know what happens, right? That was a few weeks ago. Um, And then um, there's kind of a bit of genealogy of Jesus. He gets baptized. God says, I really like this guy. You should listen to him. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. And Jesus is fasting all this time in the wilderness. Then he shows up in Galilee, does some miracles, and then he goes to his hometown of Nazareth. So it says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? So Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up, it was probably at the time less than 500 people. So like everyone knows everyone in that kind of town. Everyone knew who Jesus was. Isn't this Joseph's son? We've known this guy since he was little. I mean, that's one thing they've kind of got a little bit wrong about him already, isn't it? Joseph's son. There's more to that story. But this is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that Luke records any sort of public preaching of Jesus, any public words of Jesus in the book of Luke. And again, there seems to be this kind of like this symmetry of like we're at the start of the new year. What are the first words out of Jesus' mouth for us in this new year? Could it be they're the first words out of his mouth? In Luke, um, and so Jesus rocks up to the synagogue, and like it's not it's not unusual to have other people read from the from the scriptures, um, especially if they were sort of rabbis, if they were travelling ministers, um, and we don't know. Maybe Jesus picked this passage, maybe it was just happened to be the passage that the steward of the synagogue opened up for him. We don't know, but either way. Jesus had something to say and you can see it says in the passage you know the scroll is given to him and he's unrolling the scroll so like Jesus didn't have the convenience of the bible on his smartphone he didn't even have the convenience of it in this kind of handy fit in your bag kind of form like the scroll would have been big um, and people would have had to learn the scripture for themselves because they wouldn't have been able to have a copy at home they would have internalized it they would have known what Jesus was going to talk about those words would have been familiar to them because they would have heard them over and over again in the synagogue but it still takes Jesus some time to kind of find it on the page it says you know he found the place where it was written there weren't any kind of chapter and verse markers for him to find those are a much more recent invention in our scripture so he has to go along finds this bit where it's written 
And you know, at the time, most people probably couldn't even read for themselves anyway. Like, literacy rates in first century Palestine were probably around 10%. So people would have just had to hear these passages. They would have had to learn them and internalize them. And so Jesus reads this from Isaiah 40, uh, 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So he's reading from the book or the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, to get a little bit Bible nerd and technical on you, the first thing that we need to know about the book of Isaiah is that it's kind of in two or maybe three main sections. Okay, so you've got chapters 1 to 39 of Isaiah, and they're prophesying before Israel and Judah were exiled to Babylon. Okay, that's chapters 1 to 39. And then chapters 40 to 66, the first chunk of those happens when um, Israel is in exile and they're about to come back from Babylon, and then the kind of end, chapters sort of 56 to 66, they take place. Um, when Israel has already come back. So they're living in the land and God needs to do some new stuff with them. So we're in like this, this end section where Israel has come back out of exile. Um, just sort of interestingly, I always think it's really helpful in these prophetic books to, just to know where you are in the story. Kind of what is the context that this prophet is speaking into? So is he speaking to... Is he speaking judgment to Israel and the nations because they're about to be taken into exile? No. Israel's come back out of exile. An easy way to remember this in the book of Isaiah. It's got 66 chapters. Anyone think of any book that's got 66 sections to it? It's the Bible, right? 66 books in the Bible. Chapters 1 to 39 are pre-exile. There's 39 books of the Old Testament and then the other 27 are in the New Testament. So it's like, maybe it's only me that finds this really exciting, really interesting. But I love that the book of Isaiah is like a book that mirrors the Bible. It's got this first section talking about Israel and what it's been up to and its neighbours. And it's got this second section that is all about looking forward to what God is going to do. I love it. Even if none of you are excited about it, I'm excited about it. <laughs> Anyway, and, and also just for like context, like that period of Isaiah spans about 200 years. And so either Isaiah was a really old man or there's more than one author to the book of Isaiah. Now, when you're thinking about these ancient texts that are thousands of years old, we have to accept that they might not play by the same rules that we like to expect of our text. It would not be considered fraudulent or false or misleading for that second part of Isaiah to be written by students of the school of Isaiah, because that's what prophets did. They trained up prophets after them who would have worked in their school, who would have thought like they thought, who would have learned to listen to the Lord like they would listen to the Lord. It's not considered fraudulent that that could be a different person, but they're still writing under the same name. Like that category just like doesn't come into it for the ancient minds. So either, we've got two options. Either Isaiah was written over about 200 years by one person, or some of it was written a bit later on by some different people who were writing in the name of Isaiah, but that just wasn't considered 
fraudulent or false. Like to our modern minds, to our rational post-enlightenment ways of thinking, that kind of feels a bit jarring, doesn't it? But to the ancient mind and to Jesus, certainly, it's not an issue. And Jesus is the master of understanding these Old Testament scriptures. We remember that on the Emmaus Road, Jesus was able to kind of take this journey and walking alongside his friends, say, hey, didn't you know? Didn't you know it's all about me? And that's what he's doing here. He reads this scripture and then says, hey, guys, this is fulfilled today because I'm here. This is pointing to me. But in all the ways that Jesus fulfills the scripture, he does it in so many different and exciting ways. He does so much more than just what the scripture promises. You see, Isaiah 61, if you flick to it, there's some really, some really interesting language. Jesus kind of stops partway through this passage. He only takes the first sort of three or four lines, doesn't he? He stops short about talking about the day of God's vengeance. He stops talking about, he stops short of talking about how foreigners are going to come and work for the Israelites. He stops talking about how, he doesn't mention how Israel is going to be kind of crowned with glory and be the, be the best ones out of all the nations. There's a bit of, um, the word I want to say is ethnocentrism, but that kind of is an unhelpful word. There's a bit of sort of us first about Isaiah 61, if you want to read it that way. And I wonder if that's what Jesus' old neighbours did want to read it. I think that's how they did want to read it, right? Because the next thing he says when he talks in Luke 4, the next thing he says to these people that he grew up with, and I think he stirs the pot here, and I think Jesus is allowed to stir the pot. But he stirs the pot, and he says in verse 23, No doubt you'll quote this proverb to me, Doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. He also said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, except a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And the prophet, in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, yet not one of them was cleansed, except Naaman the Syrian. You can go and look up those stories in the Old Testament if you want. And then when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged, they got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, and intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. See, Jesus says, hey guys, God's going to do all this stuff that he's promised. But it's not just for you. It's for the whole world. And they weren't quite ready to hear that. They weren't quite ready to hear that it wasn't just for them, that they didn't get to keep it all to themselves. 
So I think to be able to receive the things that Jesus wants to do when he comes to be king, we have to be ready to give them away. We have to expect that God is going to do just as much out there than he's going to do in here. We have to raise our expectations that God would move in our city, in our workplaces, in our families that don't know Jesus yet than he is on a Sunday morning when we get together. And I love when we get together on a Sunday morning. And I love that the Lord does too, that he comes and meets us. But he's got so much more for us outside of these four and a few more walls. And this whole passage, we're going to be leaning into it this week. We're going to be going over, chewing over what Jesus is talking about. What, it, what does it mean that there's good news? That there's especially good news for the poor. What does it mean for you, for me, for us to proclaim release to the captives? What does it mean to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed? to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We're going to be leaning into those things this week and just asking God to talk to us. Say, God, what does this mean for us as a church family? What does this mean for me? In all the other hours of the week that I'm not at church, I'm not a small group, maybe at work, maybe at uni, maybe just doing whatever it is that I'm doing through the week. What does it mean for me to be good news to the poor? To, be, to proclaim release for the captives. You know, there's a very particular phrase that Jesus pulls out of Isaiah here. When he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That word anointed, that had a particular meaning for people in Israel in the first century. Um, in the scroll of Isaiah, you would have read the word Mashiach, which we transliterate to the word Messiah. We've said it a few times already this morning. And that word Messiah, it meant to first century Jews, people who were expecting God to come and move, it meant the anointed king from the line of David. Like it wasn't just, hey, God's spirit's on me, like he's on you, like he's on you, like he's on you. It had a particular meaning. To be anointed by God was to be the anointed king that was going to come and bring God's kingdom. And Jesus is saying, it's me. I'm here to fulfill that promise. Jesus is the king that we want. And his kingdom looks like something and it looks like these things. So, surely we just say, hey Jesus, come and be king. Come and take your rightful place. And then that's it. That will happen, right? We'll get to see all this stuff. Now, I think we have to be intentional. We have to say, God, would you come? We have to make a space for him to come and talk to us. Because actually, he wants to do it not just to us, but with us. It's not about building his kingdom in front of us. He's about building his kingdom with us. And it takes intention on our part. It takes listening. It takes time. And one of the ways that we show our intention and we put time in 
and focus our energy is through this thing called fasting. And forgive me if this is really patronizing to you, but I just want to appreciate some of us may have never fasted in this room before. Some of us may have just fasted out of a sense of like, oh, well, I suppose you just better crack on with it and uh, get involved, right? Um, but simply put, fasting is giving up something good for a period of time to express our hunger for something that's better. Giving up something good to express your hunger for something that's better. So fasting isn't a way of twisting God's arm or trying to impress him with how devoted we are. You know, it's about us saying, Jesus, I need you more than I need food. I need you more than I need whatever it is that we're giving up. And even though we're doing this as a community, we're inviting us all to be a part of this. Like we're not here to try and impress one another. There will be no award for the best faster next week. I'm sorry to the competitive ones amongst us. You know, Jesus talks about fasting a few times. Um, the first one that jumps out to me is in the Sermon on the Mount. I can't get away from the Sermon on the Mount, however hard you try. Um, Matthew 6 says, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, so their fasting is obvious to people. Truly I tell you, they have rewards, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. I think that means like, do your hair, right? And wash your face, so your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Like, he's not, we're not trying to impress God. He just wants to know that if he gives you something, will you treasure it? Now, fasting is between you and God. Only he sees you. It's not a performance for anyone else. No one else is watching or judging you. But we get to do it together. And then Matthew 9, um, verses 14 to 15. Then John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, they came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. I think, I th I think they feel pretty hard done by here, don't you? Uh, Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away and then they will fast. So I think what Jesus is saying here is that, look, I'm going to go away. And if you want me to come back, you want to show me that you're hungry for me to come back. One of the things you're going to do is you're going to fast. One of the things you're going to do to cry out and say, God, would you come and be king? Jesus, would you come in our time, in our day? Is we're going to give up something that's good to show our hunger for something that's even better. And you know, like we said, Jesus was fasting before he started all of this ministry. He went out into the desert for 40 days where he was tempted, but he fasted that whole time, it says. And then he came and did the stuff of the kingdom with the people. So that's fasting this week. There are a few different options of how you can fast this week. I want to talk about ways you can fast from food, just to give you some options, right? So fasting from food could look like a complete fast. Sometimes call that just a water fast, like you just drink water, or maybe you just have things that are liquid, but they give you some energy. Um, you could try cutting out one or more meals per day. 
you could try cutting out certain food groups. There's, there's a type of fast called a Daniel fast, which is where you just eat fruit and vegetables. You don't eat any, uh, anything that is like processed and no meat at all. So that's one option. There are alternative fasts. You can give up TV or gaming. Uh, you give up social media. I don't know how that fits with giving up something that's good for something better, but hey, that might be your thing. You could give up talking. Talk to your teenagers about this. Um, Like genuinely, like actually being quiet might be something that would be a sacrifice for you. And I just really want you to hear this as well. Completely fasting, especially complete fasting for a day or more, just not recommended if you are pregnant, if you're under 16, um, if you've got any medical condition that is affected by your diet, like diabetes, or anything else. Um, and just if you've got any history of eating disorder, like you don't need to give up food for this. Like, please don't let us put that on you. There are other ways that you can fast if that's something that's in your story. But there are different ways that we can fast over this week. And so, you know, if you have been either foolish enough not to sign up to emails this week, or you have been sleeping on our social media, and this is the first time you're hearing about it, or maybe you've read all those things, but you haven't really thought about it yet, um, then <clears throat> take a bit of time this afternoon to think, how am I going to engage with this? You don't have to decide now, but talk to the people who would like share your life with you <laughs> and say, what are we going to do? Let's make a plan together. And like, I think when Jesus talks about keeping the secret, he doesn't mean like, don't tell your spouse or your housemates, like there's some healthy accountability in there. It's like, just don't make a show of it for everyone else, is what he's saying. Like you can talk to the people you live with about whether or not you are fasting. Okay, that is allowed. And actually a little bit of accountability from the people closest to you is really good. So that is, that's fasting. We wanna give up something good because we're hungry for something even better. And then some of the other things we are gonna do, I wanna invite my friend Phil down, who's gonna tell us you can give him a really long round of applause as well, if you want. Yes. <clears throat> because just fasting would be a little bit pointless. I think you'll agree, Phil. So we're going to get together and we're going to pray. And how are we going to do that? Tell us all about it. Okay. Cool. Let me just get my uh, notes uh, open. Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. <laughs> um, great. So, yeah, starting tomorrow... We're going to have, um, do you remember we, we've done it before and we've, we, we have been doing it on Tuesdays. <laughs> um, we have like the Zoom meetings in the mornings at like 6.30 and at 12.30. Does everyone remember that or people been involved with that? Um, so we're going to do that for the, from Monday to Sunday. We're going to have a 6.30 Zoom meeting for half an hour and a 12.30 Zoom meeting for half an hour. So if you like get up early in the morning, come along. Just, it's only half an hour. We're going to just get together and pray. And then at 12.30... We're going to have one as well. So if you've got a lunch break, come along, dial in and, and join with us. Um, so that's going to be all the way to Sunday, obviously just Sunday morning, because um, obviously we'll be here probably or still be here on Sunday afternoon. So there's no point in having a Zoom meeting then, is it? Um, and throughout each day, we're going to be following a theme from the, the scripture that 
um, John's been preaching on this morning through the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. So there'll be a, we're going through that section by section. So every day, the people who are leading the, the Zoom meetings are going to have a, a section to lead on. So we can just keep be focused on what, um, what we're praying for that day. Um, so yeah, there's no obligation to be there. I mean, I encourage you to be there as often as you can, but there's no obligation to be there. If you miss it, if you've got things you need to do, obviously you can't get to everything, but let's try and join together. Let's try and have a big number of people there praying, yeah, and, and seeking God. Um, we're also going to have like a devotional sent out every day. Um, some people some people are going to be doing some uh, a devotional and you'll be able to see what's going on and it's going to be around the theme of that day. There'll be some stuff that the CLT will be putting on there about what they want us to pray for as a church. Um, so yeah, obviously sign up for the emails and everything because they're going to be coming through on email and keep an eye on social media. Unless, of course, you are fasting social media, in which case it probably won't work, will it? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Let's see what else. Yeah, so maybe during the week, if you want to just join together as friends, you know, you don't have to be fixed to those points. I encourage you to maybe if you're students and you've got nothing else better to do, because that's what students do, get together. <laughs> hey, I was a student once, only for a year I gave up, and it was too hard for me. Um, but if, you've, if you're students and you want to do something, get together and, you know, maybe get together. Or maybe if you're just pals and friends, just, yeah, get together, you know, don't be fixed to those points, you know, to get together and pray. Let's really seek God and what he's saying. Um, and then we're rounding off the week on sun next Sunday evening. Um, our friends at MHOP have allowed us to use their little shack at the behind the message there. So we're going to get together in that cabin and we're going to pray and we're going to worship together to round off the week and really seek God together as a church. So I invite as many as you can. Let's really squeeze that cabin and try and break all the fire regulations and get them all sweating and worried. <laughs> Maybe not, actually. I don't want to get in trouble with Andy Hawthorne or anyone like that. Um, but yeah, come together. Let's, let's all gather together and, and, and pray on that Sunday evening. That's going to start at 7.30, okay? So that'd be really good. And that is a real well of prayer. It's going to be an amazing place to pray. You know, I've, I've prayed in places where there's been so much prayer. And I tell you, God's presence is so strong in those places. So let's, let's really gather together and, and, and thank, thank the guys at MHOP as well who's letting us use their building. It's, a, it's amazing. Um, if you want some extracurricular activity, um, my friends at Prayer Storm, they're doing something called Prayer Siege. And at midnight, they are gonna, they're having like a YouTube um, stream where they, they're sort of gathering and they're going to be praying in tongues for an hour at midnight. So if you really want to do some extracurricular activity, you know, join in with their guys. It just so happens that their Prayer Siege week is fitted in with our week. So it might be really cool to get to sort of plug in to see what God's doing over the city and over the nation. Um, yeah, so please join in. You know, again, it's don't be feel obligated, but be encouraged, <laughs> be challenged to come and pray together. You know, God is is calling us in this time to be to aggressively pursue Him. I believe. You know, there's that verse of scripture that, that you know that 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 the the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You know, and I really believe that God is calling his church to really go after him. Okay? And it's really important in these times. And I would encourage not just to, to pray for the things that um, are just in front of you. So often it can be, you can be crowded by so many things that are going on around you. And I know some of you are going through some, some things at the moment. 
But I encourage you not just not just to be concentrated on that, but also just really seek what God is, is doing this week, what he wants you to pray for. You know, you'll be surprised. You know, once you sit down, God's like, you know what? I want you to just pray for the young people today. Or today, I really want you to pray for the government. You know, just really listen to what God is wanting us to pray for, not just the things that are affecting you, not the things that are coming in, because sometimes those things can really disrupt or take you away from what God is really wanting you to, to intercede on, on for and pray for, okay? So let's have a really good week, eh? Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to fast, we're going to pray together and separately. We're going to expect that God's going to speak to us. We're going to expect that he's going to move. We're going to expect that he's going to move within our church community. We're going to expect that he's going to move in the places we find ourselves through the week, outside of this room, outside of our gathered times together. And like Phil said, I'm super aware that there are some of us in this room and represented in this room as part of this church family that are just walking through some really hard things right now. Just whether it's health stuff or other, other stuff just happening in your life. Um, you need to see this happen. <laughs> like where we talk about where you need to see the year of the Lord's favour happening in your life right now. And we've got a prayer team this morning that want to stand with you, that want to pray those things over you. Um, so do come in just a moment when we close up. There'll be time. Um, just come receive some prayer. If there's stuff that is like, yeah, I, I need someone to pray the year of the Lord's favour over me. But as we launch into this week, why don't we stand together now, if you're able to, and let's pray about praying. <laughs> let's pray that we would raise our expectation it would raise our anticipation that God would come and speak, that he would move. Yeah, Jesus, we recognize you as the king, the king that we want, the king who brings a kingdom full of goodness, full of good news, full of freedom, full of healing, full of restoration. Jesus, you are the king that we want. So would you speak to us this week? Would you speak to us about what it is that you're inviting us to give up and would you give us the courage and the determination to do it would you come and speak to us about what the year of the Lord's favour looks like for us God would you speak to us about what it looks like for us as a church community who are gathered together in your name. Would you speak to us about what it looks like as a scattered church community 
all over the city, all over Greater Manchester, bringing your kingdom in the places we find ourselves. But as well as speaking to us about it, God, would you show us? Would you give us tangible examples of your hand at work this week? God, would you heal the sick? Would you restore sight to those that are struggling with their sight? God, would you speak freedom for those, even within our community, that are struggling with addiction, where they're held captive by things outside of themselves? Or would you release the prisoners? God, where, even in our community and in those around us, where debt has become a chronic issue, God, would you see, would we see release from debt this week? God, we've heard about how good you are. We want to taste and we want to see as well so would you come and speak would you come and move this week yes lord amen amen hope you enjoyed today's message if you want to find out more head to our website vinelife.co.uk or follow us on instagram god bless and see you soon